Hello, hello. Hi. <laughs> Welcome to the second episode of um, Adventures with Alice and Neen, podcast edition. Um, don't remember what the tagline is, but... We're the podcast where two college students talk about big topics like love and vulnerability and stuff. <laughs> about theater and the performing arts and we have two special guests with us eleanor and camilla hi they are two of my castmates from the play the arsonist directed by patrick russell which was at uc berkeley's theater department welcome thank you for having us yes so let's have everyone introduce themselves so if you could say like your name, your year, what you study, what character you played in the arsonist, and three words or phrases that you identify with. My name is Eleanor. I am a junior at UC Berkeley. I played Babette in the arsonist and three words or phrases I identify with like about myself. Yeah. Like So um, like examples, actress, performer. Oh I see, right, right. Okay. Uh, yeah. But they can also be, like, adjectives, yeah. Okay, composer, actor, singer. Lovely. Hello, everyone. My name is Camilla Leonard. I'm a junior, and I study media studies, and I have minors in theater and creative writing. Um, In The Arsonists, I played chorus leader, and three words I identify with are actress, singer, and happy girl. (laughs) Yay! Um, I'll go next. So um, I'm Noreen. Um, I'm a junior. I study English and I'm minoring in education. Um, I was an audience member (laughs) of the play and three words that I would use to describe myself or three words that I identify with um, would be a learner, um, a mm. romantic, and I thought of the word passionate because I couldn't think of anything else, but I feel like that's a good word. I love that. I love that you identify yourself as a learner. I, I feel like that's awesome. I forgot to say I also major in theater and do music. Yeah. It's all right. Okay. My name is Alice. I'm a junior. I study data science and a minor in theater. I played a chorus member in The Arsonist, and three words I identify with are artist, dreamer, and a lover of people. Nice. Very cool. Um, So we'll get, I guess, into the mini game before the main content, which is Two Truths and a Lie. Um, so, does anybody want to go first? Noreen, I think you should go first. (laughs) Okay, I'll go first. (laughs) Um, so, two truths and a lie. Gotta figure out which one is the lie. Um, so, I have never broken a bone. Um, I have never been on a ferry boat, and I've never tasted relish. What is a ferry boat? 
like not a cruise but like a ferry boat like a ferry but like a oh a ferry I, I I was thinking fairy like the <laughs> mythical being. That's why I put fairy. boat at the end. Just to, oh. just to be clear. <laughs> okay. Oh my god. I would say the bones one is a lie. Um I'll say that you never tasted relish is a lie. I'm gonna guess the relish too. <laughs> okay. Um so the lie was that I've never been on a ferry boat. I have been on a ferry boat. Yes, I have never tasted relish before. <laughs> I specifically wanted to throw Alice off of this because we do live together. And I needed to like find a a truth and a lie that like you could also guess with this one too. <laughs> but yes, I have never broken a bone. Good. How have you not tasted relish? <clears throat> I don't know. I just never gotten around to it. <laughs> I love relish. Especially on hot dogs. Ooh. Relish is not a big part of my life. I have no opinion. I, I forgot it existed if we're being honest till this conversation. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you like it. Come on. <laughs> All right. Um, should I pick who goes next? Sure. Um, <laughs> it's like eeny, meeny, miny, mo. Yeah, exactly. It's like, <laughs> who do I pick next? Um, go with Camilla. Okay. Um, so, until I was nine, I lived on a cattle ranch in a town with a population of 300. That's the first one. Second one. My middle name is Christina. Third one. In fourth grade, I modeled in Vanity Fair with Justin Bieber. I'm going to go with the second one being a lie. The second one was too short, so that's why I'm like, hmm. <laughs> didn't have a long descriptor. <laughs> but then again, mm, I think I'll go with the second one too. <laughs> I don't know you that well. No, I feel like I guessed gonna... wrong. Oh well, man. <laughs> <laughs> the first one is so specific. Wait, the third one is very specific too. Yeah, <laughs> I would have to go the second one. <laughs> You guys are all correct. Yeah. Yay. Wow. My middle name isn't Christina. It's Christabel. Ooh, I like that. Where did Where did you live? I lived in a town called Clements. It's near, well, not super near, but near Sacramento, like an hour and a half away. Um, yeah, it's it's all big plains, um, vineyards. Lots of cattle ranches and horse ranches. It was an amazing place to grow up on. <laughs> nice. I think it's, it's funny because I know we both play Stardew Valley and it totally reminds me of that. <laughs> it definitely brings me back to those times. <laughs> <It's funny. laughs> oh my goodness. Eleanor, you should go next. Okay, mine are as cool, but um, my... Okay, I'll just say them. I've broken both my ankles. I have a pet turtle, and I got braces in second grade. I'm going to guess the pet turtle one. I'm not sure. For some <laughs> reason, I feel like you're the type of person to have a pet turtle, so. Hmm. Well, I'm not sure. <laughs> I've been to your L.A. house, but. I've moved since. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what was the third one again? I've had braces in second grade. I really hope the ankles is a lie. I'm so sorry if it's not. 
Wait, no. I feel like the braces one is a lie. I feel like maybe you've told me you've never had braces, but I'm not sure. <laughs> I think I'm gonna go with the braces one as well. <laughs> That's a lie. Alice, what was yours? Mm. <laughs> yeah, she's still exciting. <laughs> I know because they're all kind of like the same level of like weird, you know? Yeah, but okay, the other two are convincing me that it is the braces, but you'd stick with your gut. Okay, I'm gonna go ankles. Okay, so ankles and braces, right? Is that everyone? Mm-hmm. Okay. The turtle's a lie. Oh, I was right the first time. You were. Braces in second grade. Since then, my teeth have gotten bad because I lost my retainer in third grade because my parents fucking gave me braces when I was a child. Um, <laughs> so I don't know what they expected. I had also like a face mask at night, and one night I woke up and my face mask face mask was just like off my face. I think I like, took it off in the night, but it had like rubber bands. It was very complicated. Um, <laughs> and then. The other one, what was the other one? <laughs> I don't even remember. Oh, you broke your ankles. Yeah, I, I broke both my ankles. Yeah, and I was in. The, I was like about to open a show, and like oh. literally a month before, I broke my ankles because I was still like I broke one of my ankles running down my apartment stairs. Luckily, it healed in time, but it was it was a mess. Is this oh, before snap. this was walls? Left? Yeah, this was during walls. No um, and then the other one was God. just like. My dog, like, I was walking around my street, and my dog just, like, saw another dog and lurched forward, and then I was wearing this, like, I w- you know, like, the black Nike shoes that have, like, the white bottoms? They're, like, the worst shoes. Mm-hmm. Do not get them if you're, like, accident-prone, <laughs> because they happen both times with those types of shoes. So, because they're, like, kind of chunky, and then my, my dog, like, lurched forward, and then I just fucking fell on my ankle, and it was really awkward, because people were around me and saw me, and they're like, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, and meanwhile, I fucking couldn't walk. Yeah, anyway. Fun life! (laughs) Okay, Alice, I think it's your turn. Yes. Alice is on the hot seat. Okay. (laughs) I had a boyfriend in the first grade. I have high-fived John Green before. I have a tattoo on my right ankle. And Noreen can't answer. She knows. Yeah, I can't. I can't answer this one. I I feel like the ankle tattoo is a lie. Me too. Hmm, What do you think that? Why do I think that? Um, because the other two just are so specific, and I feel like you've high fived like, John Green. Yeah, you were like a you were like a uh, Fault in Our Stars stand <laughs> when you were like fourteen. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and what then was the first because one? of your roommate, the ankle she would have known your ankle. I feel like what's the first one? I I had a boyfriend in the first grade. I feel like that's true. Uh, yeah. I so relate to that. I'm going with the third one. Yeah. Okay, you're both right. Yes! <laughs> Who didn't have a boyfriend in the first grade? I like, know. <laughs> Losers! I remember <laughs> I had a, a boyfriend in the first grade, and we were riding home on the bus together, and we were holding hands, and oh. he told me, he was like, <clears throat> I don't want to have kids ever. And I was like, <laughs> we're no longer holding hands. <laughs> Bye. And I never talked to him after that. It was a small town too, so. Um. <laughs> wow, I did not think about kids when I was six years old. But <laughs> yeah, me neither. <laughs> I was like not even in my radar. Yeah, no, I was like, like 
pretending to be a mouse or some shit. Like, <laughs> I don't fucking know what I was doing. <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. So, now that we've gotten to know each other a little better, um, I guess we'll go into some questions. Um, specifically about the arsonists, because... I mean, all three of you were in it. I was an audience member. And by the way, that was so good. I, I will oh, say, like, commending thank you. to all three of you who were in it and the rest of the cast. Like, ah, oh, so good. So I guess, like, just as a intro, could one of you give, like, a general description of, like, what The Arsonist was about just to kind of set the scene? Eleanor, do you want to take it away? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was, like, motioning for them to take it away, but I'll take it away. Um, basically it follows, um, so it's set in a time period that's unknown, that's ambiguous. Um, our, our production was kind of hinting to the 1930s. Um, and basically it follows like Mr. Biederman, who is a businessman, um, and lives in this like kind of upper class house. Um, I played his wife, Babette. Um, and basically these two arsonists have been in this neighborhood uh, visiting each house and eventually the houses get burned down um, and so he visits our house and it's all about the tactics and coercions these two arsonists use on my husband and me um, to get us basically to allow them to stay in our attic and befriend us and so basically this group of firefighters are guiding I, I would say guiding the audience through the story and um, trying to save Biederman and trying to wake him up so yeah it's about like blind faith and having something right in front of you and not realizing the reality of it I guess and in the end everybody dies yeah everybody dies spoiler (laughs) alert everybody dies yes (laughs) watching it like when it ended the way it did I was like oh this is kind of sad but then it's like a good ending in a way but then what was funny (laughs) about afterwards was that everybody kind of got up and you know how like at the end there was like a bunch of like explosions and stuff Mm -hmm. so in the audience obviously when we everybody was like standing up and stuff and we're like woo because I came on the first night and so um in the audience, there was like a service dog who just looked scared out of its mind oh. because of all the loud sounds. Because oh. <laughs> there was an actual dog in the audience who just was like freaking out because of just how loud everything was. And then my friend and I who came, we were just looking at the dog. We were just like, oh my gosh, there was an actual dog in the audience. Um, I just remembered that as the ending too, which made it a little bit more comical, but also sad too. Um, but yeah. yeah. Oh, were you going to say something? I was going to add in in the explosion, the sound engineer added dog noises <laughs> in the explosion. It was so sad because I have like yeah. a fake dog in the show mm-hmm. and it literally broke my heart. But also I was like, that's so good. Like you work queen, like you go. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. I heard that. And I was like, oh, this is actually really sad. I and know. then we stand up and then there's this dog, like an actual dog. In the audience. <laughs> it's like broke me a little bit more. Um, Okay, so I guess one of the questions, um, any, I mean, I guess all of you could really answer this, is that what do you think you'll remember from this production years from now? Which is a very interesting, like, long-term future question. Well, I think, I mean, obviously we're in the midst of this crazy epidemic and our pandemic, what's the difference? Is it pandemic now? 
think it's pandemic. Pandemic. Yeah. Pandemic. pandemic. Pandemic's the bigger version. Than- <laughs> anyway, <laughs> with this crazy pandemic. So the show was happening like before Berkeley was about to close. And so our run was cut short. So we were supposed to have five performances. We only had two. Um, and the show kind of feels dystopian in the fact that these arsonists are, you know, burning houses down in this town and there's an explosion. It's insane. The first show was like very lighthearted because the, the, the show was, has a lot of comedic elements to it, even though it's also like, you know, serious drama. Mm-hmm. Um, and the audience was like laughing like constantly and it was great. And we're like, well, like, wow, they're really responding. And it was much more lighthearted. And then the second night, it was one night after, literally like it was a completely different show because I think the coronavirus, people, the seriousness had really hit the audience because I think school had just been shut down till uh, the rest of the semester they found out that day. So yeah. the show hit differently. It was much more serious. People weren't laughing as much. Like they were laughing, but it was much more muffled and like uh, I think held back. And I think it just, my, some of my friends in the audience just said like, it just was like so uncanny how the show spoke to the current situation of our world. I think Eleanor put it really well. I think I'll always remember it as the show that happened during coronavirus. Um, it felt crazy going into the dressing room and that would be the only point of contact with other people I would have had all day because all classes were online and people sharing new nuggets of information that they learned like Broadway just closed down. Um, France is all closing down their whole country and all this new information flooding in and we were putting on makeup and going to go and do a show. And I remember when they told us we were going to just have two more shows and it really hit me like this could be the last time this final dress rehearsal where we perform the show. And I think that's when everybody came together and rallied together and everyone was just on the same page regardless of where they were coming from and it felt like a very powerful moment everything came together all the puzzle pieces came together and that's sort of the moments that I live for in theater they're very rare and and far between it's where everything perfectly collides in a theatrical moment and that for me Mm -hmm. that was the final dress rehearsal um, but also the our opening night was with the added element of the audience, I think also created that moment for a lot of people in the cast. And so those are some really beautiful moments of theater that I'll never forget. Yeah, definitely I'll remember the things that you two have brought up <laughs> because like, like what a timing. Yeah. Yeah, and I'll also just really remember I think I'll really remember the table read we had at the beginning of the production mm-hmm. when we were all talking about like what the play meant to us because I think that was like a really like like that was really powerful for me to hear like what it meant to everyone and to just like feel like everyone who is in this production really like cared about it. It was yeah I think Patrick um I mean obviously he casted people that are lovely but I think his presence and the way he conducted the room really also helped with the culture of the 
cast and it was just you set a great tone and I'm just it was honestly one of the best cast experiences I've had. Wait, that's so cool. So I guess we'll get into more like broader get to know you questions like in relation to acting and singing and all that. Um, so I guess the first question I'll ask is, um, I put down why theater, why singing, why acting, but I guess another way you could ask this question is like, what makes you passionate about pursuing theater or creating music or acting? God, where do I even start? I feel like I could start like throwing out things, but then like each point could go and like you could go in depth on each one of them for a really long time so like human connection telling stories affecting people on an emotional level acting is being being in the moment taking risks getting out of my head meeting really cool people like the arsonist cast getting to the heart of what matters i feel like more things are going to come to me but that's a start oh and also like challenging myself to like not think of myself as just one person. Mm, I like that. I'd say I, I really tell those things and I also would add um, creating art for me used to, well, it still is, but it used to be very internal where it's more about like, I like exploring these characters and I like finding new parts of myself. And I like, for songwriting, I love like being able to use it as kind of like a cathartic thing for me to get my struggles out or whatever on paper. But now that I'm sharing my work and obviously like, being in front of more audiences and interacting and listening to feedback from audiences are people that have heard my song, a song or whatever. And if they are touched by the song or they feel better from the song or the show, it like makes me so happy. And like to affect other people's and now that I'm getting older, I'm realizing is more what it's about is to, it's not about me. It's about affecting the audience. And like, I, it just like, it's so inspiring and it's so like touching to know, oh, I could affect someone and like make them have a better day or think differently about the world or feel seen or heard or inspired is just like, it's amazing. Mm -hmm. I love that. I have a couple reasons. One is, <laughs> I think this question is funny because Eleanor and I talked about theater specifically a couple months ago at the beginning of the semester um, and my answer is still the same in that I think theater is such a magical and unique art form in where you have to be physically together in the space, both the audience and the cast, in order to experience this visceral experience together. And I think the only other place you can do that is like at the church. And so... I think it's amazing that people and artists are physically congregating together in order to experience something almost like as if it's a religious experience. And maybe it is. It's definitely a spiritual one. And I think that's very rare in this time for us to disconnect digitally and connect physically with other people. And that's a big reason why I do it. And maybe it's a little selfish, but I feel like that's the only way I can connect, truly connect with people is by sharing my art through theater. Um, and I think another way is also through singing and dancing, performing. It's all telling a story and it's all, I'm, each time I perform, I spend a part of myself 
and I'm sharing that with people. And I think that's the only way to really achieve a powerful performance is by revealing yourself as an, as a human being, as an individual. And something that I feel like each year I find there are themes to my, uh, to my art, artistic journey. And like this year, I really think the theme is courage. I I was talking before about like taking calculated risks and also being courageous as an artist. And I think the only times I really get scared is when I do something very out of my comfort zone in like an art, in an audition setting. And I've been doing that a lot more often. And I just had an audition where I did this song that was way out of my comfort zone that is in my range, but I've never belted that high before. And I could do it, but when I went in, I was so nervous. I was physically shaking. I was so nervous. And I like messed up the first part of the song, but I was still called back, but like I messed up the part, first part of the song and then I had to like power through the rest of it and felt through it, the rest of it. And then they asked me to sing a song from my repertoire, uh, from my resume. And I was singing it and I forgot the words. And <laughs> I was just like making up the lyrics. Um, but in the end, I was like, whether or not I get called back or I get this job, what's important to me is that I went in and I, even though I was messing up, I was still brave enough to keep going instead of being like, sorry. I'm going to stop. I'm not good. Like, I'm going to just go home, you know? And that's when I feel the most powerful and the most proud of myself is when I do things that I'm terrified to do, but still do them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know. That makes me feel like I can... I can help other people as strange as it sounds it makes me feel like I can do anything if I can do that like I can do anything and Mm -hmm. I think that's when I'm an audience member I think I feel the same way like if they can do that I can do anything I don't know and I hope that cycle continues of inspiring hope with people and confidence within people whether that be the artists themselves or the audience members I think Camilla, you touched on this a little bit, which kind of gets into like the next like question of like if you've all had specific failure stories that you remember um, and what you've learned from them. Yeah, I have one that comes to mind, like kind of more of just like not necessarily one failure, but kind of uh, like a my journey that's happened. And obviously, like your journey is like you know it's not a straight line; it's up and down and to the side and whatever, but as I'm getting older and I'm still obviously super young, um, I've just noticed times where in my very young self as a young artist, like when I was like maybe 14, 15, 16 times where I think I thought of them as failures and I thought, Oh, I'm not good enough. Or, um, there's something wrong with me or I should have started dancing or singing or whatever when I was like much younger and I, you know, I messed up or whatever. But I think I'm realizing more and more that the failures that I had in the past, it was just, the path that I was supposed to go on. For example, in high school, like 
I wasn't always cast as a big part actually for like the first, it sounds weird, but like, I always was like, my teacher was like, you need to dance better. I need to do this better. And so I was never like given a chance to really shine because um, of my quote unquote shortcomings. And I am realizing more and more now as I'm getting older and acting more, I wasn't allowing myself to take up space and I wasn't allowing myself to own my power as a performer. And so I think that's when like the quote unquote failures would come in is when I second guessed myself or didn't trust my choices or I didn't make strong enough choices because I felt too scared. So I guess now as an actor is when I get a scene, I, I, I do my homework now and I'm like, yeah, yeah I'm going to trust these choices. I'm going to make a strong choice, even if it's maybe not what the director was thinking, whatever. Like I, I'm more confident in that now. And for a long time I wasn't, and I didn't even realize till recently. So I don't even blame my past self, but it was, like I said, it's about the journey and I'm discovering more and more. I just wasn't taking up my space or my autonomy for a long time. And I like that because like it can be hard to take up space. Yeah. I think I like the way you worded taking up space, but also taking up autonomy. Mm. Yeah. I think, I think when you put your all into something and you do it, it's not a failure. It's a success. I think failure in this industry is when you personally hold yourself back and self-sabotage. Um, and in, in the ways that those are, like when you don't do your homework, when you don't put aside the time to actually work mm-hmm. on a scene or on a show or an audition, um, when you prevent yourself from taking risks because you're scared, I think that's also a failure. Um, But that is my opinion. I fail constantly. If that is my definition of failure, I fail constantly. I self-sabotage all the time. I'm scared all the time. Um, But it's it's a daily checking in as an artist Mm. to be like, this is not okay and I want to change it. And that's a constant battle that I think every artist goes through and ultimately the successes wouldn't feel as great if there weren't if the failures didn't feel as so bad you know what I mean I think for me the level of of progress I get or the um the measure of how how far I've gotten is if I'm doing less failures if I'm holding myself back less I love that I love that you say like it's a daily battle and it's never, cause I feel like so many people put an emphasis when they talk about success versus failure, like, Oh, and I kind of did this, I guess, but like, Oh, it used to happen and now it doesn't, but it's, I, and I didn't say this, but I still face like all of those insecurities every single day and all of those, you know, past trauma that comes back to me like every fucking yeah. time I audition or whenever it's, it's, as an artist like it's just so vulnerable and it's constantly a battle with yourself or your inner demons or other people like projecting their insecurities onto Mm. you I've had that a lot like this recently Mm. and it is scary and so more and more I'm just kind of like trying to be kind to myself and similar to you just check in with myself I think is a great way that you put it I think what's inspiring to me is that like as we've all listened to interviews with actors and artists we admire, they all go through the same feelings of insecurity and worthlessness um, and fear. And so that's what inspires me is that we all 
experience the human condition, regardless of how successful commercially we are. Um, it's it's a constant battle for everyone. Yeah, I mean, having I don't even know like millions of followers or getting famous or whatever, like it doesn't change your situation. Doesn't suddenly make those things go away. It probably makes it worse because you're under this like magnifying glass all of a sudden. Like I can't even imagine. Yeah. That's so scary. Yeah, all the things you guys have said. Like it also reminds me that it is also like different for each person because like what scares one person doesn't necessarily scare someone else. So every like struggle is also very like personal. Mm-hmm. And it kind of also reminds me of like how, I don't know if you guys have heard like the idea that there's like a difference between like bravery and courage. Did you say? Yeah, well, um, what I've heard is that like bravery is like doing things that other people say or think are scary, but courage is when you yourself are scared to death and you like mm. do it anyway. Mm. I love that. And I think it's also, like, interesting that when you yourself feel really scared, you feel like you're the most weak or you're the most, like, vulnerable, that those are also often the moments where other people look at you and think that you're strong. Like, I like this, like, theme of, like, courage that you brought up, Camilla, because it reminds me that, like, at the beginning of this year, one of, like, my goals for myself when I was like writing goals for myself last year, I was thinking less fear, like don't be so afraid, do things um, and don't feel so afraid. But this year it occurred to me that it was like, no, actually I should be doing like, it's not about like less fear, it's actually about more fear. Like putting myself in the situations where I do feel afraid because the more I do that, the less scary it becomes. And there's like so much more opportunity for growth. Yeah. Agreed. Do you have any sort of advice for aspiring artists, given how long you've been doing theater and creating different things within and outside of the specific industry? Yeah, I mean, there's one... one one girl I know who's in high school right now, she is writing musicals, or writing a musical, and she's she was kind of where I was a few years ago. And I guess what helped me the most was being uh, not afraid to ask people for help or advice and asking questions and just like, you just never know. Because it's scary to ask people like, oh, can I play this song? Or like, would you mind if I shared my idea that I'm writing about? Whatever. It's scary, but it's like, those are the things that, if people want to help. People want to like, you know, share their wisdom and I think that was what really helped me and opened some doors for me so I think that's something is just like don't be afraid to ask for help or like ask for something to get it I guess there's a teacher at UC Berkeley his name is Chris Harold I really really admire him yes Chris (laughs) he talks a lot about whether or not you want to be an actor and if this is the right industry for you quote-unquote that's all up to you. It's not to anyone else to make that decision. You decide when to stop, you decide when to go, and no one else does. And so I think that's the same if you're just starting out as an artist in any field. You decide when to start. You decide whether to pick up that paintbrush and start painting something. Mm. You decide when to pick up your first play and start breaking down a monologue. 
um, you decide when to audition. No one else decides that for you, you know? True. Ask your friends, like, if they're a great dancer, be like, hey, would you mind, like, teaching me a move or something? I don't know, like, literally do anything. That's, that's like, it's fun because you can kind of create, like, a very unique path, I think. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I found that I've met a lot of really intelligent and smart actors at UC Berkeley and artists that are exploring different avenues of thought and creativity. Um, I've been really inspired by a, a lot of the art made here at UC Berkeley and at in, in the SF Bay Area um, that you can't find anywhere else. Yeah, I'm really grateful I went to UC Berkeley because I similarly met like people that were extremely talented actors and but also like had other identities and I relate to that because I'm I'm a musician but I'm also a uh, actor and a writer and like I struggle with having these multiple identities and have anxiety about it constantly I'm like are you just going to be okay at everything <laughs> why can't you just be good at one thing but it's like it also complements each other so it's nice to meet people that don't just do one thing, but that's fine too if you do. There's something I I don't remember the exact biology behind it, but I think when you learn new skills like you, Eleanor, composing, singing, dancing, acting, you are making your brain stronger. And when the more I learn about um, singing and different modes of singing and dancing and acting it's all interconnected and it's all so similar and like the way you breathe when you're singing mimics how you should breathe when you're acting and I just think it's and for dancing it's just so interesting to me the more I learn just how similar they are and Mm -hmm. I think that's uh, I know when people tell me like oh I'm not a good singer I can never sing and especially if they're actors, I'm like, Ugh. please, please take a class. Like anyone can sing. Anyone, it's my belief. Like anyone can sing, anyone can act, anyone can dance, mm. anyone can be an artist. It doesn't mean you're a quote unquote good artist, bad artist. You can just say, I'm an artist. I'm a choreographer. I'm a dancer. Um, and you can be one. Um, so I really think any artist should go and sing because it connects you with your breath, which keeps you alive. And it's really beautiful. Oh my God. I so relate to that. I mean, I, and I'm learning more and more as I get better at piano, for example, like I breathe before, as I, you, you're supposed to breathe if you play because if you're tense, like you're, it's just not going to be, you're not going to be with the music. And like, it's the same for dancing. I'm learning is like, you have to breathe as your body needs oxygen while you're doing these like hard movements or you're not going to be able to do it. Going off of like what both of you have said, I think that, like, out of the three of us, I'm definitely the person who's, like, the newest to acting because, like, I actually did not do any, like, sort of um, shows in high school. And I actually didn't start acting until my sophomore year here. And I would say that, like, my advice, if you want to call it that, would just be to, like, a reminder that, like, everyone's on their own journey. So I really like what you said, Camilla, about like, um, like you decide when to start and when to stop. I really like that too. Um, I mean, as I think out of all four of us, I'm not really as in, like, I'm not as involved with acting or 
theater like the the only theater experience I really have um was senior year of high school I played um Jojo in Susie Gold the Musical and that's awesome it was it was honestly like I after that experience especially like I had such like a newfound respect for people who are actors and who um do so much and put like a lot of their work and time and energy into rehearsals and productions because it is a lot of work like oh my gosh it's so much work um and yeah like I had like ever since then like just had this like such a respect for people who um are able to um put themselves out there um but also like bring characters to life almost and I think that's such an important thing especially when as someone who studies literature like you see them on the page but it's completely different from when you're actually like bringing them to life. Mm, I love that. That's so awesome that I love when people have like an appreciation where they've done a show or they've done something, maybe they don't, theater isn't their main interest, but they've done a show or something because then they can appreciate the arts because I feel like this is like a common thing now, but I feel like there are some people that I've met where they don't respect art as much or they don't think it's as much work as another profession or it's, you know, I don't know, just not taking it seriously. And, but they don't realize how much art they consume literally every single day, whether it's Netflix or listening on Spotify to the song or whatever. And I'm just like reading a book, whatever. I, I just, it's so nice that you say that because it just, I feel like people don't realize how, how integral art is, especially right now in this time of the coronavirus. <laughs> like right. we need art. Yes, absolutely. I'm excited to see what happens to theater and art in general after this epidemic. Pandemic. Pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I'm really interested in seeing that too, because I mean, everything now has been just moved from in-person contact to online platforms, which like what Alice, you were saying about how it's like supposed to connect everyone from everywhere, right? Like we're connecting with each other by being in completely different locations, but at the same time, there's something really off about it. Mm-hmm. Um, that you don't really get when there is an in-person uh, conversation happening or when there's like, when you are experiencing something in person versus experiencing it like online. Um, and there is like this tension there. So I'm re- also like really interested in seeing how that is gonna play out with this too. Yeah. Yeah, one of my favorite books is called Reclaiming Conversation by Ooh. Sherry Turkle. I don't know if you'd heard of Sherry Turkle. Um, she has like a TED talk about it. Say the name one more time. Reclaiming Conversation. Thank you. It's a book about how technology can get in the way of conversations, but not just like between people. It can also be conversations you have with yourself because like what you go home and what's the first thing you do? You look at your phone. Yeah. And then when you're looking at your phone, then what happens to like that conversation that you would have had with yourself about something else. I love that. I'll check that out. Yeah. I mean, that's what someone, I, I just recently read this article about someone who spent many decades in solitary confinement. And one of the things he said is like, you are stuck with yourself and you have to face yourself. And that's what we're kind of, he said in like a lower, in like a lower, what's the word? Like in a less, I mean, obviously I'm not in solitary confinement in my home, but in a lesser way, we are facing ourselves right now. And we still have our technology, we still have our vices, whatever, but 
we still are forced to slow down in this time period and address big issues like mortality and health. And it's a lot. We're waking up in a kind of way. I hope at least as a nation we are. And I think that like as individuals, you have like the choice to face that or you choose to tune out and like let your technology distract you. Yeah, or deny that the virus is even a freaking issue. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think that's it. Cool. Yay. Um, This is fun. Yes, this is so fun. Thank you so much for coming on to this. Thanks so much for having us. Yes, thank you. Absolutely. What did we learn today? Ah, yes. We learned that Eleanor broke both of her ankles. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, we learned that failure is like when you hold yourself back. Yes, self-sabotage. Because otherwise, if you're challenging yourself, you're growing, then... That's all that matters. Yeah. Stop thinking about the outcome and just continue to grow and challenge yourself. And yeah. be courageous. But also, failure is determined by your own definition of failure. And you have the choice to start today to do what you want to do. So inspiring. Boom. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> Love that. Thanks, everyone, for listening. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Thank you. Bye.